Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Stephen Kiley. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. I'm going to start with Isaiah, the 26th chapter, verse 3, and I'm going to be reading verse 3 and 4. Isaiah 26, I'm actually reading from the Holman version, so it may be a little different than what's on your screen. It says, you will keep the mind that is dependent on you in perfect peace, for it is trusting in you. Trust in the Lord forever, because in Yah, the Lord is an everlasting rock. Trust in the Lord forever because God, the Lord, is an everlasting rock. Now, Lord Jesus, in the next few minutes that we have together, I pray that your anointing would come upon not just me, but your word and everyone in this place that we could receive something to lighten our eyes and to open our ears and to give guidance to our feet. I ask these things in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. I, I think one of the things that happens to a lot of people, and Jesus addressed it to his own disciples, is the lack of peace that people have. Unrest. Uh, sleeping pills, different drugs that are given to people to try to calm them down because anxiety and, and worry and discouragement is so prevalent in our society. Matter of fact, if we looked at, at the drug uh, sales that are going, not only the legal ones, but the illegal drug sales and the addictions that are coming forth through these drugs, we see a restless, restless unsatisfied, transient society. But my Bible tells me that I can have peace. Jesus said, my peace I give unto you. My peace I leave with you. Not as the world giveth peace, I give, you un give unto thee. But I think the key to that peace is having a mind that is totally focused on God, that trust in God, do you trust him? I go back and I'm looking at Hebrews, the 11th chapter, verse 30. If I trust God, I ultimately will have faith in him. If I trust you, I have faith that you will do what is best for me. And I look it back at the Old Testament that's mentioned, this event is mentioned in the two, new. It says, by faith, the walls of Jericho fell down after being encircled by the Israelites for seven days. How did the walls fall down? By faith. Now, I'm going to throw some things in here. There's some misconceptions about faith. Now Hebrews the 11th chapter verse 1 gives us the clear, clearest definition. 
Faith is the substance of things not seen. It is the evidence of things hoped for. Now, part of faith, the major element of faith is hope. Things hoped for, it says. But if I go back to the book of Romans, in the eighth chapter, the beginning of that chapter, it says, for we are saved by hope. But what a man hopeth for, what is he at hope for? Something for we are saved by hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For what is seen, what yet the man hopeth for. I'm sort of butchered the last part of that verse. But hope is a major part of our salvation. So when we go back, and I'm going to look at some things in the Old Testament and try to relate them to things that are relevant in your life in the day that we're living. Well, we'll remember that God gave Moses a promise. He told Moses he was going to take his people out of bondage. He was going to take them to a land that flowed with milk and honey or a land of promise. Now, God's provision and fulfillment was set before Israel, but there was a barrier that blocked them from taking it. And you're going to find in the promises of God, in the blessings of God, that God has set before you as an individual and as a church, that oftentimes there's going to be resistance or something that stands between you and the fulfillment of God's promise. Now, Jesus said, or in the word of God, it says, the kingdom of God suffereth violence, and the violent take it by force. Now, a lot of people have the ideology that when you become a Christian, that everything just falls into your lap, and your life is just a bowl of cherries and blessings. No, that's not necessarily true. The promises are all there, and they're yea and amen, and they're true. But oftentimes, you must take them by resisting the thing that blocks your promise. And we see that with Israel. The walls that they came against that surrounded Jericho may not be much in our sight today, but when you don't have bulldozers and, and uh, dynamite and things like that, they're formidable. The walls around Jericho were 50 feet high. I'm guessing the ceiling's probably only a 30-some feet high. Might be 20 feet higher than that. 50 feet high, and they were 50 feet wide. Now, I, I drove semi, and every time I, I try to figure dimensions, I've looked at so many semi trailers, I know how long 53 feet is. So it's probably from that wall to that wall, 53 feet, maybe a little shorter. That's a, that's a pretty good space. You aren't just going to bombard your way through. It's hard to get through those walls. It was almost as though the world was saying, stay out and stay away, give up on the hope of God's promises. It was an obstacle that had to be removed before they could go ahead. And what does that mean to you and me today? It means that there are people of God, like you and I, that still have obstacles in our life that have to be removed. 
Yes, absolutely. We still, you're a Christian, you still have obstacles that hold you back from receiving something God wants to give to you. But what does the story about Jericho mean to me? It means that I can be victorious no matter how big, how wide, or how formidable the obstacle is through faith in Christ. And you can rest assured that the devil is going to make sure there are walls or obstacles between us and God's plan for us. Everyone here has a purpose in living. I meet many people that say, especially the elderly, they say, what purpose do I serve? And I asked, I answered that question, I bet you a dozen times a week when I talk to residents. They say, I'm 90 years old, why can't I just go home? I'm unhealthy, there's nothing happening, why do I exist? My answer to them is, you exist because there is still a purpose for you to be on this earth. When you lose sight of your purpose, you lose the will to live. Well, what are some of those things that you may be facing as an obstacle this morning? Anybody have problems financially? Don't raise your hand. How about your marriage? How about some things that are in your life that are unholy, that are very unhealthy? How about the dreams that have never been fulfilled? We're all facing situations. We're all flesh and bone. We're all blood. But we have to see through the walls to the promise. Now, the best thing for us to do is realize what tools we have in conquering the resistance that's been set before us. And I think Paul in 2 Corinthians, the 10th chapter, gives us some insight on what we can do or use to overcome an obstacle. For the weapons, 2 Corinthians 10.4, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. Now, let's do a little test this morning. Let's, Brother Russ, can I use your youth? All right, we're all concerned about how we look and how we dress. As Christians, what is the armor that we put on? What is the first piece of armament that we should put on when we fight the devil? You know it, helmet of salvation, I'll give you the first one. What's the second one? What's the third one? What's the fourth one? What do I want to have in my hand? Sword of the Spirit, and then the shield of faith. You know, we had four Marines killed this week, and that is a terrible tragedy. But it gives me some insight as to what is happening in our own country. But it's said that they might not have had to have died if they could have defended themselves with the weapons that they were trained to use. I want to tell you, it's often sad to see Christians die or backslide 
or go into the world because they did not use the weapons that God gave them to use to fight their enemy. The promised land, or God's promises for you, represents God's best for your life. Now, Hebrews chapter 4 tells us the reason that the first generation could not enter into God's rest. It was because of unbelief. Only people of faith can enter into the promises of God. Again, I go back to Hebrews 11th chapter, verse 30. By faith, the walls of Jericho fell. Do you know that we should worship by faith? Have you ever thought about it when we're we're worshiping God in music? Are you worshiping with faith? Or are you just communicating with others through song? Notice what happens uh, here in Joshua, the fifth chapter, verse 13 through 15. And it came to pass when Joshua was by Jericho that he lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, there stood a man over against him with his sword drawn in his hand. And Joshua went unto him and said unto him, Art thou for us? or for our adversities, adversaries. And he said, Nay, but as captain of the host of the Lord am I now come. And Joshua fell on his face to the earth and did worship and said to him, What saith my Lord unto his servant? Notice that worship preceded enlightenment. When we have a worship service, that should also oftentimes be a place of preparation for enlightenment. And the captain of the Lord's host said unto Joshua, Loose thy shoe from off thy foot, for the place wherein thou standest is holy. And Joshua did so. You know, it's like we can always tell when we're entering into the true essence and presence of God by how we react to him. Remember he said to Moses, take off thy shoes for you are on holy ground. In other words, the revelation of deity changes how I approach him. Take your shoes off. You're standing on holy ground. Recognize who you are addressing and the place where you're standing. All of a sudden, the sanctuary changes its whole atmosphere. It isn't just a room with chairs and pews and a piano and a drum set and a pulpit. It becomes a special place of meeting where God starts to deal with his people. And all of the things that are around us, all the things that we saw when we entered change because the Shekinah glory of God starts to fill the place. In Solomon's time, it was... It was amazing when the temple was built and they began to worship that the presence of God filled the place so much so that the priests could not minister their functions. It was changed. 
I feel sorry. I regret for some of our young people that they've never possibly experienced a service where everything let loose and no one could minister. Does anybody ever remember those services? Where the preacher just said, I can't, we're just turning this over to God. We're just stepping aside because there's, we're, we're fighting against what God's trying to do. God wants to do that. But our worship must be filled with faith. But see, the, the walls are intimidating. If I were to ask every one of you one at a time to come up here and tell me what your wall was, let me ask you a question. You don't need to get up. But how many of you have a wall that you're facing that's blocking what God has promised you? There's a promise. Anybody have a wall? Does anybody have a perfect life? <laughs> you just don't want to raise your hand because you don't want people to know that you've got a battle that you're fighting. Well, I'll tell you what, I don't want to walk into battle without my company. I look at Brother Ben Barningham and I, I think about, uh, not to pick on your brother, but what you were trained to do. And anybody that's ever been in the service realizes the important importance of staying with your company, when you go into warfare, trusting on the buddy that you have next to you, they all work together and watch each other's backs. But when we become fragmented and intimidated by our own problems, we don't seem to care about others. The Bible says that we should esteem others more than we esteem ourselves, because that's what Christ did. That was his mission. He humbled himself and became a man so that I could be changed or exalted. He humbled himself so that I could be changed. We've got to learn to see God rather than the problem or the obstacle. I look at Joshua, he's just like me. I'm sure he was. Of course, I can't compare my ministry to his ministry. Joshua, he's looking at the walls, thinking, how are I, am I going to get to the place where I can conquer this enemy that's locked itself inside these walls? God told us that we have to go through Jericho. Let's see, the walls are 50 feet by 50 feet. They has four gates. Um, if I sent so many people to this, could we make a ramp? Could we build, a, build something that could cause us to crawl over the walls? He's trying to figure out how he's going to accomplish what God's wanting him to do. And God is saying, you're wasting energy. You're wasting time. Because I've already devised the plan for victory. I've already got it planned out. And I'm going to show you how you can partake in my power. Not your power. I'm going to let you ride on the skirts of my power to overcome an enemy that in your limited fleshly ability you could not conquer. And every one of us has faced little obstacles. From 
from habits that we developed in the world, from smoking to drugs to liquor to all sorts of things that became obstacles to us. How did you overcome those obstacles? Through faith in God and Christ and obedience. We become more problem conscious than we do God conscious. We have to be more conscious to the presence of God that is around us than the problems that try to engulf us. I want to share something with you, and I might have shared it with, some other, with you another time. I'm sure I have. But when I was praying this morning, this came to my mind, and I felt like God wanted me to share this, this vision that I had. Now, don't look at me crazy because I am so convinced that some of the things that God has shown me that I'm not afraid to tell you that they came from God. But there are some things that people get nervous about. But this is something that truly happened to me. And I thought about it uh, this morning. It happened the year 2003. And that year was one of the worst years, one of the worst years in my life. But before everything happened, before everything seemed to, fall, seemed to fall apart in the direction that I thought God was leading me, I had this vision. I was, and I had it while I was awake. I was walking to my mailbox, and I got my mail, and on my way back from the mailbox, I'm walking, and then in my mind, I saw, anybody see the storm we had yesterday? That was a humdinger. But I saw a storm to my southwest. It was like a cauldron of black clouds boiling over and rushing at me. And I felt fear. And I was on my driveway and I realized that if I ran back in 2003, I still could run. The knees still worked better in 2003. If I ran to the house, I still would not make it before the storm engulfed me. And so I started to run, and sure enough, the storm engulfed me, and immediately that cauldron of black clouds was not present. I thought I was going to be swept up and hurt and lost, but I was brought above the storm. And it was, it was absolutely peaceful there. And I looked down, and the storm clouds had dissipated. I looked down on the ground, and I knew that that, I, that the Lord wanted me to speak some things to some things that were on the earth. And he, he showed me that I had the power of binding and loosing by the things that I addressed in this dream or vision, whatever. And then at the end of the vision, it didn't go real long, I was standing there and the Lord spoke to me. He said, what weapon do you want or what thing can I give you that will help you? He asked me. Now, of all the things that I could have asked for, I've always wanted to fly. I could ask, this is my vision. I asked him, I wanted the power to walk through walls. And then nothing, there was no lightning bolt or anything. And in my vision, there was a wall next to where I was standing. And I wondered if he really gave it to me. 
And I went to the wall and I pressed against it and I thought, ah. And then it was like, don't stop. Keep pressing against the wall. And I kept pressing on the wall and the more I pressed against the wall, I became, I went into the wall and I passed through the wall. But I had to exert energy to force my way through the wall. And it was not long after that that everything blew apart. It was a giant, my whole, my whole vision for my future changed and I, I went into chaplaincy and I began to work at the hospital. But the Lord showed me what was going to happen before it happened to tell me that no matter what happened, I would have the power to go through the wall and that I could speak faith and bind and loose. I can bind Satan. Do you realize that? The Bible says that I can resist the devil and he'll flee from me. I can bind him. I have the power to bind him. And I'm wandering away, but I'm going to follow this rabbit because I feel God wants me to. I remember in, in Plymouth, and I don't know if Brother Dave and Sister Chris were there. I think they were. We had a man come into our evening service one time. Shake your head if you remember this. This guy was a, he had a um, spirit guide that would appear to him. He would talk, he would actually appear to him and talk to him. And he came to our service one night and he was chanting at our altar. And the more he chanted, my spirit was vexed. I said, this is not of God. And I was over here, and I didn't want to cause a scene. I know how Satan likes to create a scene. All I said is, Spirit, I bind you in the name of Jesus Christ. You are not going to manifest yourself in this place. That man turned and looked at me and said, what did you do? And I said, well, I'll tell you what. Why don't you and me go back into my office? I want to talk to you. And that's where he told me how the spirit guide would appear to him and talk and address him. But the point in this message is, we let Satan manifest himself in our lives because we refuse to take the weapon that God gave us to bind him. In my name you shall cast out spirits. So, Part of, our, part of our warfare is, is using what God's given us. But we have to have worship that's built on faith. Don't ignore your problem. Faith is not blind to the problem. It sees the problem and says, I see someone greater than you. I see God's presence and God can handle any problem that I face, I see my problem, I see something greater than my problem, and I see God's presence taking care of the issue for me as I walk in faith. Joshua went up to that man that appeared the captain of the Lord's host, and he said, uh, 
are you with us or against us? You know, sometimes God will appear in your life and you'll wonder if he's really on your side or not. God, are you, are you with me? Or are you fighting against me? Have you ever had this thought? Don't raise your hand. And don't lie to me either. Have you ever wondered if God had forgotten about you and he allowed, was allowing things to hurt you because he was not concerned? Are you with me, God? Or are you fighting against me? When God shows up in your life, he doesn't show up to take sides. He shows up to take over. I want you to think about that. God, are you on my side? No. He's taking over the whole thing. He, sh he shows up to take over your problem. He shows up to tear down your walls. And when you realize that, something happens in your spirit where you humbly fall down on your face before him and begin to worship him because he is awesome. He is awesome. True faith will worship God even though there is a wall standing between God and his purpose for you. True faith worships because there's no problem too big or too difficult for God to take care of. Then we have to have the walk of faith. I have to walk in faith. When I look at the stronghold, for instance, that we face, Joshua 6.1, it says this, Now Jericho was straightly shut up because of the children of Israel. None went out and none came in. Those walls were the stronghold that challenged their faith. Your faith is going to be challenged and put to the test. You say you have it, and you do. How do I know that, Brother Kylie? How can you say I have any faith? Because the Bible says that God has given every man a measure of faith. Because without faith, you could never come to God. You have faith. But listen to what I'm going to tell you next. A faith that is not tested is a faith that cannot be trusted. A faith that cannot be tested is a faith that cannot be trusted. You ever climb a tree and wonder if you could climb out on that limb, if you could trust it? You went out on a limb. I went out on a limb, God, and I'm hoping that it'll hold. But what happens, I had that happen when I was, I mentioned the limb because when I was a little kid, I loved to climb trees. I was a squirrel. So anyways, I went out on this limb. It was one of those huge trees with smooth bark. I don't even know what kind of a tree it was, but it went way up and the limb broke. And I must have fallen at least a thousand feet. Well, to me it was a thousand feet, but I landed on my back 
And I got the wind knocked out of me, and that was a terrible feeling because I could not breathe. And you don't know today if I want to help somebody on a roof, it takes all my courage to crawl up there, and then I say, I can't stay up here. I can't even go up on a roof. At work, and I, I'm, not being, I'm just saying this, we have a three-story open vestibule where you can go three stories up and you can look down. When I'm at work, I force myself because I hate this fear. I force myself to go right up to that, that railing and look down, and my stomach goes like this, and I feel like, God, when the rapture comes, I'm gonna, you're going to take me up? You're going to have to give me some tranquilizers because... But the thing is, see, I don't like that. And I need to continually do things that may cause me to be fearful. Some people have walls in their lives that they made themselves. They, they made those walls to give them some sense of security. They made those walls because someone hurt them and they felt if they built the wall, they could keep other people away lest they get hurt again. See, when you look at Jericho, we always look at, look at the people of Israel trying to get through it or into it. But what about the people that live within the walls? They're captives to the walls. The walls are keeping them in just as much as they're keeping Israel out. And it doesn't matter who you are. You can be a pastor, a, a father, a mother, a child. You can build walls in your life to protect you from being hurt. But I want to tell you this morning that God wants you to be free of all walls. He wants you to stop listening to the devil who's convinced you that you'll never make it outside the walls that you built and it's not safe for you outside the walls. I want to tell you that the devil is a liar. He's the prince and chief of all liars and that God wants you to live a life free so that you can enter into the promises that he's made for you, made available for you. Well, let's look. We've talked about the freedom. Let's look at a strategy. Joshua, the sixth chapter, verse two. And the Lord said unto Joshua, See, I've given into thy hand Jericho and the king thereof and the mighty men of valor. And you shall compass the city, all ye men of war, and go around about the city once. Thus shalt thou do six days, and seven priests shall bear before the ark seven trumps of ram's horns, and the seventh, days, the seventh day you shall compass the city seven times, and the priests shall blow at the trumpets. And it shall come to pass that when they make a long blast with the ram's horn, and when you hear the sound of the trumpet, all the people shall shout with a great shout, and the wall of the city shall fall down flat, and the people shall ascend up every man's street before him. God did not tell them to go in with battering rams or build ladders to scale the wall. God's given you explicit directions on how to overcome your problem. You can try to solve it your own way, but it will not work. God said to walk around the walls once a day for six days. And then on the seventh day, after the seventh time, the walls would fall. 
Boy, that doesn't sound like a good plan to me. God, if you created the heavens and the earth and you just spoke the word and the trillions upon trillions of stars came into existence in one day and you created the earth and all the inhabitants thereof on the sixth day and the third day, couldn't you just speak to the walls without us doing anything? Why do I have to, in the heat of the day, make a spectacle of myself before my enemy? See, we walk by faith, and the world sees us struggle with problems that are not taken care of right away, but we still walk like God wants us to walk. And they say, well, see, their God's not with them. But let me tell you something. God's got a plan. And when I fulfill the plan, you can laugh and make fun of me all you want. The walls are going to fall, and we're going to be victorious. God, see, some of us are feeling like we're not doing anything. We're a spectacle. We're trying to live a holy life, trying to do our best to be moral with the things that God has instructed us, and it doesn't seem like we're making headway. But let me tell you, God's got the plan, and the walls for the church are going to fall flat, and we're going to be redeemed, raptured. The second coming is going to take us. Only those, however who are prepared for his coming. Let's stop looking at our walls as obstacles, as dead ends. Let's start looking at the promises that God has made us. God said to Joshua, even before the walls fell down, he says, see, I've given into thine hand Jericho. Now, some of you would say, if you were honest, Lord, I still see walls. The barrier's still there. But God says, no, no, no. Look through my eyes. Look through the eyes of faith. Look through the eyes of faith. Don't look through your human, carnal, worldly eyes. Look through his eyes. And you know, I think Paul, he had that revelation. He says, now I see through a glass darkly when he's talking about his face, faith. But he says, then I shall see clearly and I shall be known as I am known. But sometimes my faith is foggy. And I can't see clearly the promise that God wants me to see, but my faith keeps me walking. That's called continued obedience. There's two things this morning I want to close with. One is you keep walking because that's continued obedience because you see in your mind, your spiritual mind, the walls fallen. Galatians, the sixth chapter, verse 9. And let us not lose heart and grow weary and faint, faint in acting nobly and doing right. For in due time and at the appointed season, we shall reap if we do not loosen and relax our courage and faint. That's a little different than the King James Version. 
And let us not lose heart and grow weary and faint and acting nobly and doing right. For in due time and at the appointed season, we will reap if we do not loosen and relax our courage and faith. There's times when we all would rather quit and throw in the towel than to continue to fight our problem. We get tired. Yes, we do. We get discouraged, sometimes even a little bit depressed. We feel like surrendering to the stronghold. Remember that there will be no victory in your life without a battle. And the second thing is continued silence. And this is the hardest one for a lot of people. Joshua 6.10 And Joshua had commanded the people, saying, You shall not shout, nor make any noise with your voice. Neither shall any word proceed out of your mouth until the day I bid you shout, and then you shall shout. Now let me ask you a question. Why did Joshua instruct the people not to say anything until the day he commanded them to shout? Why couldn't they talk as they walked around the walls? Why, why did they have to keep their mouths shut? God knows this. It only takes a few negative people or a few complainers to discourage the whole group. And sometimes we just have to say, if you don't have anything good to say, don't even open your mouth. Because you know what happens? If God is a jealous God, and God has given direction to his church, and you say anything that causes someone else to divert their direction or their focus from off his plan or him, how does he feel about that? I don't think he's happy with it at all. 1 Corinthians, the 15th chapter, verse 33. Don't be fooled by those who say such things, for bad company corrupts good character. Bad company corrects, corrupts good character. Negative, complaining, and criticizing people, they're going to kill your faith. If you have a friend that's always negative, and every time you go over by him he or her, she robs you of your faith, you're better not off not even going near them. As a matter of fact, if you're the one that's spreading that stuff, it's better for you to be quiet and keep it to yourself because it will spread from you to another person just like a cancer. And that counteracts faith, and it affects the body. It's like somebody walking around the city. Oh, this is silly. This is foolish. What are we doing this for? Then someone else would say, well, you know what? You're right. This is foolish. Then those two would talk to three or four more, and pretty, everyone, pretty soon everyone else would say the same thing. Proverbs 10 and 14, wise people treasure knowledge, but the babbling of a fool invites trouble. Oh, strong words. Don't you say a word until I tell you to shout and then shout. Every day they marched around the city, 
They kept their silence, and sometimes it was hard to wait upon God. I don't have time for all this waiting, you say. But I want to tell you, good things will come to people who are patient. You need patience. Let me say it again. You need patience. Hebrews 10.36 says, For you have need of patience, that after you have done the will of God, you might receive the promise. Let me say it again. Be patient. Do you ever say that to somebody else? Just be patient. Children all the time, just be patient. Don't you think that God's saying it to you? Just be patient. For in due season, you shall reap if you do not faint. You know, I guess I'm spoiled, just like you. I get impatient with the microwave. Oh, a minute and a half to heat water? I bought a new wave oven because I was impatient with the, the regular gas oven. By the way, that's an awesome oven. Because it cooks so fast, and I'm in such a hurry. Do you know that I can take a frozen piece of chicken, inch thick, big, big breast, I can throw it into my new wave oven, frozen, I coat it with oil and season it, and in seven and a half minutes, I flip it over, and I do the other side and season it, and in seven and a half minutes, I take it out and I eat it. In 14 minutes, a chicken breast, and all I have to do is I just spray the thing, and I wipe it off, and I'm ready to cook again. But you know, we're so impatient. In traffic, anyone have any problem with traffic? Oh. Is anybody impatient with God? So I guess we're getting a little bit spoiled. And last of all, what you need is strength. Isaiah 40, verse 31. Talking about the saints of God. But they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles they shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. There's that word, waiting, which involves patience. And I think I'm going to sort of wrap this up. We need to have the word of faith, too. Joshua, the sixth chapter. And it came to pass, in verse 15, on the seventh day, that they rose up early about the dawning of the day, encompassed the city after the same manner seven times. Only on that day they compassed the city seven times. And it came to pass at the seventh time when the priests blew with the trumpets, Joshua said unto the people, Shout, for the Lord hath given you the city. In other words, speak out your faith. You've been silent all this time. But now, show forth your faith verbally. Shout unto the Lord with a voice of triumph. And I want to tell you, that's when you get it. 
You can be faithful and you may go for years wrestling with something that you're dealing with, a wall, but the time comes where the Lord says it's fallen and you shout with a voice of triumph and it leaves you and it's there no more. Why are, we, why are you allowing, even though you've got a wall and it hasn't fallen, why are you allowing Satan to intimidate you? When I was a new saint, back in 1973, boy, it seems a long time ago, I lived in an apartment in South Milwaukee. And I had it all set up the way that I wanted. I was, a happy, I was happy at 20, 20 years old, 21 years old. And I got saved. God filled me with the Holy Ghost. And I'd never had this problem before in my life. But I, I would come home now, when I would go to bed at night, I would feel like something was walking into my room. It was almost like a blackness. And I don't know if you've ever experienced this before, but I'd be laying in bed and I was terrified. And I felt like it was a spirit of some sort, and I, it would almost choke me. It was just terrible. I was dread, dreading it. And every night, it would happen. And finally, I went to church one Sunday, and someone stood up and preached behind the pulpit about how I had power over Satan. Now, I'm a new Christian. I'm not used to this stuff. So that night, I really believed what the preacher said. I really believed it. I went home, and I went to bed, and I waited. Crazy, aren't I? And that spirit walked into my room. And I, I felt it clutching. It was hard at first to do this. I felt it clutching at me, and I had to almost force the words out. I said this, I am really glad that you're here tonight, because you will not be coming again. I want to tell you that you have increased my faith in God because if you exist, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that all I've, told, I've heard about him, he exists also. But tonight, I stand up against you and I take control over you. In the name of Jesus Christ, I bind you. You will never, ever come back into this apartment again. Never. And I said it with force and meaning. And then I got out of bed, and I sleep like my brother, and I'll leave it like that. And I went to the door of my apartment. I opened it up. I walked outside in the hallway, and thank God there was late at night. And I said, out you go. I shut the door, and I never had a problem with it again. And I'm telling you, you can complain about your problem or you can take authority over it and do something about it. You have power. Now your wall may not, might not fall this morning, but let me tell you, you can go through the wall. In Christ, you can make it through. And the Bible says, and I'm going to close, he that endureth to the end shall be saved. Let's stand together.
Have you ever had some crummy thought come to your mind? You may be sitting, doing something, and all of a sudden, all of a sudden, this gross, terrible thought comes to you, and you think, how could I ever even think that thought? And then you say to yourself, at first you say, I'm a rotten person. How could I ever have that thought? And then you realize where the thought came from. Have you ever then taken authority over that imagination or thought and said, in the name of Jesus, I plead the blood of Christ upon my mind. I reject, in Jesus' name, any of those thoughts that are coming from Satan. Have you ever done that? Or have you just sort of battled them? You have power to this morning. You have power this morning. I don't know if someone's got something they're wrestling with, but if they would walk up to the walls this morning here at the altar, maybe you just need to spend some time thanking God for tearing down your wall. Even before the wall fell, Joshua thanked him for the wall falling. So this altar's open this morning. Please come up and take something that God has prepared for you and then take it home and spread it to everyone else. In Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262-965-5177 or email us at info at abundantlifechurch.org.